Hilton Head Island Community Church, do you love where you live? Man, I love where I live. God has given us such a, a great opportunity for those of you who live here, for those of you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church. He's given us a very specific mission, and he's given us a, a great opportunity to reach our community and beyond and reach the world for the cause of Christ. And uh, what a great mission he's given us. And for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here today. It's a kind of a, a banner day in the life of our church as uh, we mark the one-year anniversary, anniversary of our All-In Generosity Initiative. I can't believe it's been a year, but it has been a year. And uh, I, I want to just begin by thanking those of you who have been a part of it. Uh, more on that later. Uh, thank you so much for your commitment and your willingness to be generous. Um, today is also the last in our series called He Who Is Mighty. And we've been walking through the first chapter, first three chapters of the book of Joshua and the story of the nation of Israel and of Joshua, this great leader. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're going to bring this to a conclusion and talk about many of the parallels between Joshua and the nation of Israel and what God is doing in the life of our church and in your life. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 and a little bit in 4 today as we bring things to a close. Webster's Dictionary defines the word obstacle as something that impedes progress or achievement. Something that impedes progress or achievement. How many of you have had obstacles in your life at one point in time or another? All right, very good. If you haven't raised your hand in that question, you're just lying in church. All right, no need to see me afterwards, you're just lying. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, so Webster's Dictionary defines it as, as something that impedes or, or progress or achievement, and obstacles in life are difficult enough. Can we agree on that? Obstacles that we have in some sort of achievement, whether it's a, a business or a professional achievement or an academic achievement or a relationship, yes, there are relationship achievements, okay, so, uh, or it could be in sports or athletics, it's difficult enough, but, but I, I want us to realize and just kind of get comfortable in this place this morning that uh, when, when God calls us to a specific task or a specific purpose or, or has a specific mission, that the obstacles that we will face are going to be much larger, much greater. They're going to be of a different nature because it's a spiritual work and, and the forces of, of good and evil are at war spiritually in the places that we don't see. And so the obstacles become that much greater. They become that much more difficult. Uh, the challenges are higher. That, that, that mountain seems to grow. And so uh, I want us to understand that those of you who are here today and you're a Christ follower and you're in this life and God has given you a mission, that the obstacles we face are unusual. And, and I think we see that played out here in Joshua, especially when we come to this great kind of you know, climax in the story, although you know, there is the rest of the book, uh, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, uh, and, and I want to encourage you to, to look at that and read it and, and study it, but we're going to be looking at this great obstacle that they had in terms of getting into this land that God had promised generations earlier. They were right there on, on the, the edge of the Jordan River, and as they looked across, they could see the promised land. And, and there was Joshua, this new leader, had taken over for this amazing leader, this great leader, Moses. 
and, and they, they, they had to overcome these obstacles that were in their way. And we're going to talk about what those obstacles are in a little bit. But I want to begin today as we look at chapter 3 and a little bit in chapter 4. I, I want to begin just right out of the gates talking uh, about four different keys that you and I can have in terms of overcoming the obstacles that we face in our lives. The first key, and, and these are four very simple, I, I think I said four, Right there. So anyway, having a little math issue. Four keys that uh, I, I want you guys to know about from this the, this chapter and these chapters. Uh, they're very simple, but I think that sometimes when it comes to the challenges that we face, especially spiritual challenges that we face, I, I think that sometimes we make things more complicated than they need to be. And sometimes the answer is simple. And the first key this morning is when we have obstacles in our lives that are spiritual in nature that separate us from achieving God's best, from achieving his mission and purpose for our lives, the first thing we need to do is check and make sure that we're following God closely. I believe that's the first key, and I think it plays out here in Joshua chapter 3, and just in the first verses, check this out. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and then they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and you shall follow it. Now, why is that important? Well, the Ark of the Covenant was not just uh, some archaeological find that was made for a movie back in the 1980s that Indiana Jones would, you know, one day, uh, you know, search it and, and find it. Uh, all right, Th this was something that was serious, and it was something that was holy, and it was something that was uh, part and parcel of life uh, with the Israelites because the Ark of the Covenant was the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament. And we have to understand that when, when uh, Joshua instructed them to follow the Ark of the Covenant, it wasn't a metaphor for following God, it was them following God. And I think what Joshua is trying to say to the people as they, as they cross this Jordan River and as all the different things that they're thinking of in their history kind of begin to come to mind and bring up this little thing that we just sang about called fear, I, I think we, we have to realize that what he was saying to them is that the first key in overcoming the obstacles that lie, in their case, right in front of them is to follow God more closely. And church, I wonder if we as people need to pause and check and really see if we're following God or perhaps we're following someone or something else more closely than him. And I think sometimes we can kind of, kind of come to the conclusion that we're following God, but if we pause and take a look at our lives, there are things that we are following more closely than God. And I think Joshua's purpose here was to ensure that they followed God closely. Key one is follow God closely. Key two is to commit your plans or your ways to God. In verse 5, Joshua says to the people, he says, consecrate yourself. He says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
And I could take a whole Sunday, I could take a whole series and talk about the idea of consecration, but essentially what consecration was and what consecration is, is it's dedicating your life and your lifestyle and your plans and your ways to righteousness, to, to have them come in alignment with God. And I got to be honest with you, I wonder, church, if we really take a look at verse 5, if, if we really are expecting God to do wonders among us, or are we expect, expecting for life to be just lived as usual, normal, ordinary? You see, Joshua's planting, I believe, in their minds here, this idea that when we set apart, that's literally what the word means, when we set ourselves apart for something that is a part of God's plan, then we are going to be different. We are going to act different. We are, are going to have a different lifestyle than the world. And it is not always easy. And sometimes it's not fun, although I think Christians sometimes take fun out of even fun. All right, so like, like I, I think that sometimes we do that, but like he may want us, he may call us to something that is extraordinarily different than everyone else around you. And sometimes consecration is a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult. So I think the keys in overcoming are following God closely, committing our ways to God, and then third, believing God's promises. And some of you are like, boy, that is the most no-dust statement I've ever heard in my life. But I think it's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Check verses 6 through 8 out. And 11 through 13, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on and, and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Then Joshua said, today I will begin, or the Lord said to Joshua, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that, there may, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. We see again and again in Joshua 1, 2, and 3, a look back at the promises of God to know that he is good on his word today. And in verse 8, it says, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over you before you into the Jordan. Take a look at verse 12. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe, a man. And verse 13 says, And when the soles of the feet of the priest, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Now, this would have been remarkable under any circumstance, but most scholars believe that the time of year that the Israelites were there, the Jordan wasn't flowing like a little trickle in the middle of the, the, the dry desert. The Jordan was flowing at its maximum capacity during this time. And even though 40 years earlier, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, the people of God could remember that he parted a sea, in that moment, at that time, it seemed impossible that that river would stand up and they would cross once again on dry land. But these people believed in the promises of God. 
And notice here at this point in the story, it is just that. It's just a promise. I think sometimes we can see and we can know what God has done in the past, but do we believe him for today? Do we trust him at his word right now in this moment? And I wonder if some of you are here today and maybe the difference between you just being ordinary and you accomplishing extraordinary things for God is believing what he says and believing his promises. And so we can follow God more closely. We can commit our ways to him. We can believe God's promises. And then lastly, we get to sit back once we've done those things, those three things. And we get to watch in the fourth thing a miracle occur. We get to watch God do what is extraordinary. Look at verses 14 and 15. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows in all of its bank through the harvest time. And then verse 16 and 17 tells us that the waters stopped and stood up in a heap very far off. And the people of God were able to cross. And verse 17 says that the priests that were buried in the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry land. It was a miracle. And they were there and they got to watch it take place. I wonder how many times we've experienced that or something like it in our lives. And I wonder if there's a gap, if you're kind of thinking to yourself, I haven't experienced that in my life to any degree or to even like an inkling of that degree at any point in my life. And I wonder if you and I, because we, ha we, we haven't experienced those things, because we haven't taken the steps that Joshua and children of Israel took, to see this miracle occur, we, we kind of want the miracle to just occur, don't we, church? We just kind of want it to happen. And the fact is, is that God can perform miracles in our midst, in front of us. He can do amazing things in our midst. He can do amazing things in our life with the greatest obstacle that you have. He can perform a miracle, but sometimes it's going to require you to follow more closely to him, to commit your ways to him, to believe in the promises that he has given, and then we get to watch the miracle unfold. As I was preparing for this, and by the way, this is one of these messages that I, I had in my heart a year ago, and uh, God has just been working on it for a long time. I, I want you to know that in my life, I think the biggest gap that I have in terms of um, not seeing God work in that way is this little thing called fear. And I wonder how many times fear keeps us from the great things that God has planned. Think about this with the, with the children of Israel. They were right there on the brink 37, 38 years earlier. They had wandered in the desert and they came out of the desert and they were right there. Like victory was right across the Jordan. And because there were uh, some spies who went out and, and searched this promised land and they came back and they, they, they told the people that there were giants in the land, the nation of Israel turned around and spent 
so much more time in the desert. And how often do we do that? Because we are just afraid. Listen, I want you to hear this, church. He who is mighty is so much greater than the thing that we are afraid of. And I get it. We have fear. I do too. I have a tremendous fear of the unknown. I hope I'm not the only one in the room who's afraid of the unknown. I don't like the unknown. I don't like the unplanned. I don't like the, the, the things that, that surprise us and that blindside us. I would imagine that I'm probably in pretty good company. I don't like things that are uncertain or unseen or unrevealed. And yet life is like that. And that's where the trust, that's where the belief comes in, church. That's where it requires you and I to have big faith in a God who is mighty to save. In a God who is mighty not once, but now twice to stop a sea and to stop a river flowing so that his people could go out into their future. And it's because they believed. It's because they trusted. You see, our fears, I remember Sean, when he was young, <laughs> I love it when the kids like come back from school and they, they have words that they say um, that are like, you know, not like they're like three or four or five years old and, and they come back from preschool or first grade or kindergarten and they have these big words they say that are not like first grade or kindergarten words. Do you, do you remember that, parents, some of you who had kids? Like he came home one day and, and he said, Dad, I, I have some irrational fears. <laughs> really, because like just yesterday we were learning the word ball. Like what happened here, okay? Irrational fears. Wow. Look, I think God knows our fears. He knows the fears that are irrational. I would even suggest that the fears that we have about the future, they're not irrational. They're real, aren't they? They're real. But we have a God who's greater. We have he who's mighty on our side. And so we can face the fear knowing that God does provide and that he will provide. Listen, this is so true in the life of this church right now. We're, we're at this one-year mark, and wasn't it good to see some of those aerial shots of this campus and this island? It was amazing to see that. I love the drone thing today. It's awesome. And today, as, as we are kind of entering this one-year mark of, of our generosity initiative all in, uh, I got some great reports to give you. I got some great updates to give you. And so much of this is, is, is because of your faithfulness to, to be obedient. Those of you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, we, we had this great goal, a two-year generosity initiative to raise $3.7 million for uh, uh, the purchase of, of this new property and building right out here that you guys are going to get to see here in a few minutes and to be able to um, uh, do some different things and some new things in our outreach and, and to, to be able to increase. I, I believed years ago that God didn't want us as a church just to give 10% away. I believed he wanted to get, get, have us give 20% of, of our income away uh, to our partners around the world and here locally. And, and I believe that God is going to do that. And we're at the year mark, and there's a couple things I want to let you know because of some, some really um, financial things that have really kind of circumstances that have gone favorable, favorably for us um, through, this, through this whole period of time. We've realized that 
um, we don't need $3.7 million. We just need 3.5, and, and um, that's a huge difference, obviously, isn't it? And so we've been able to adjust our goal, our overall goal, from 3.7 to 3.5. That's awesome. I asked someone the other day, I said, you, you know, is that, is that a good thing, changing the, the, the scoreboard of a game in the middle of the game? They're like, yeah, as, you know, as long as it doesn't change the other way, it's great. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's awesome. God's been good to us, church. He's been faithful to us. We were able, and I, I've got a graph up here I want to show you. Yeah, they've already got it up there. We've been able to switch that to 3.5. And today, at the one-year mark, we've got $3 million in commitments. Those of you who, who gave a commitment to All In, um, man, I want to thank you so much for your commitments. And, and we are now at, at 1.5, actually 5, $1.55 million that has come in for All In at the year mark, which is just incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to tell you a little bit of the story because I've given you a little bit of the history these past uh, few weeks about the last 12 years and what God has done to, to birth this church, your church. And, and it's amazing, the stories. And if you weren't here, I want to challenge you to go back and, and listen online and you can go back and, and watch these messages and hear these messages. Um, God has done amazing things. But two years ago, um, I, I went to uh, the Hargrave leadership and specifically went and met with their uh, chief financial officer and said, hey, would you guys ever be interested in, in us purchasing another building and taking on a little more land if, if the opportunity ever came up? And he said, well, what do you have in mind specifically? And I said, well, um, you know, this, this building that's right out here with the green roof. And he, and he said, there's no way we'll ever sell that. I just want you to know there's no way that we'll ever sell that. And I kind of walked away like, okay, that, that's God's answer. But I just couldn't get it out of my mind and my spirit as we prayed about it. Um, ask our leadership team if they thought it was a good idea for me to approach them. Uh, a year later, I knew that the leadership, uh, had, uh, Hargrave had been sold. And so at the uh, beginning of 2017, we went, went and we, we met once again and uh, met with him. And, and, and he said, you're not going to believe this. I can't believe you're asking this today because um, last night they voted to allow me to be able to sell some of this property off. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that is God at work. And, and then he told me there's another buyer involved, and they might even want to buy our property. And then I kind of freaked out for a second. <laughs> and over the course of the next, uh, I don't know, two or three, four months, uh, th they were in negotiations with this other group, and it fell through. And so we were kind of back in the ballgame, and, and God just really made a clear path for us to be able to purchase Building B and the land under it, which gives us so many things. I'll talk about that in a moment. So many, so many advantages. It's amazing. But during that time, we had to trust God. We, we wanted to do a lease purchase. They wanted us to buy it. Um, we had to work on that as a leadership team. We came together. In fact, a lot of this, when we launched All In, we didn't even know a lot of this. It's part of the reason that the, the number was able to change in the right direction. And right before Christmas this past year, we were able to close on Building B and the land that sits under. And so now we're the owners and we're the landlords. They're renting from us, which is kind of weird, right? They'll be in there a few more months, and uh, uh, once they're done and ready to move out, uh, we take possession. And today, when you go see it, don't be surprised. Cynthia mentioned it's a hot mess, and it is a hot mess, all right? But God has given us the great opportunity to go take possession of that land and that building. 
And I believe that he has given it to us. But I also made a promise to you years ago that we would be a church, and we as a leadership team made a promise to each other that we would be a church that would, have, would not have long-term debt. Not no debt, but no long-term debt. And I made a promise that I wanted to pay off this 800 or so thousand dollars on our current property. We bought it at 1.1 million and we'd paid it down over the years. And, and so we structured the loan in such a way for ourselves so that we would pay that this portion off very quickly. And, and I'm very excited to announce to you that uh, this week, we're just two months into this new loan, we are sending $100,000 to pay that down, um, and we, uh, we want to pay that down to the tune of $800,000 uh, in 18 months, by the middle of next year. And I think it's amazing that God has given us the opportunity to pay $100,000 of that already. It's incredible. I'm just so thankful, and I'm thankful to you who are part of it. And I think that God has given us so much with, with that land and the building. It gives us a front door into the community. It gives us a place to do community uh, uh, projects. So you'll see there's a big bullpen area that we can do some community projects to have storage. We do backpack buddies, and it's growing, and we're running out of room back here in the back right outside my office. Uh, and and uh, we'll have room for that. We'll have room for Bible studies and classes. We'll finally, for the first time, have office space. I'm, I'm back here in, in the dark and like what was an old closet. Leslie's in a closet. Um, I tell people I have to uh, have oranges. Bring me oranges because I might get scurvy back here. So anyway, I, I just think that God's going to do amazing things. One of the greatest things that we uh, have the availability to have that solves a huge problem in our community, people can never find us. Even with GPS devices and maps and ways, it, it never gets it right. And people have a very, even though we've worked with those, those organizations, it never gets right. And, and so people have a hard time finding us. And with that building, um, we, we get a huge monument sign. I suggest that we get it in like neon lights, but nobody liked that idea. And so God is doing amazing things through All In. But I got to tell you, um, the part of it that is our Jordan is trusting God for the finances of it. It's a good story to tell, but it could be so much better. In fact, we've had 110 families make a commitment to All In, and I'm so incredibly thankful for those of you individuals and families who made the, that commitment. But I want to challenge us as a church to have 40 new commitments here over the course of the next few weeks. We've added a bunch of new members, and a bunch of you are brand new to the life of this church, and I want to encourage you for the next year to journey with us. I want to encourage you to be a part. I want to encourage you to follow God more closely and to, to seek his heart out, to, to commit your ways to him, to be a part of what he's doing and watch the miracle unfold in, in front of you. It's a big number to be able to pay $800,000 off in 18 months. That's a big number. Now 700000 it's a big number. But I believe that God is going to do it. I believe that God is going to do it to free us up, to be able to work with Brandon and Kim with No Hungry Children to a greater degree. Wasn't it great having them here today, by the way? Wasn't it incredible having them? To work to a bigger degree with helping plant a church in Belize, in those villages that we've served for nearly a decade. To help our community partners here locally, to serve our community in partnership arm in arm to a greater degree. To reach our community 
with a front door where people can actually find pastors and find staff during the week. I believe that God's got great things for us. But we're going to have to trust him and believe that he's going to provide. Today, as you walk out and as you get to go across and take a tour of Building B, um, on your right as you leave is an all-in station. We've put a few more diagrams up so you can see where this is. I had some people saying, uh, man, it's going to be great when we move out of here and move into Building B. And I was like, no, that's not what's happening, all right? I had some people ask if, like, we're taking possession of the glass building that's over here. Nope, that's theirs. They're working on that. I had some people ask if we were turning into a cell phone company, and we're not taking over the cell phone tower or anything under it. Uh, God has given us a very, very uh, clear um, piece of land that now is an L-shaped piece of land, and you can see that on the board there. There's also a new commitment card for those of you, and uh, we were praying for 40 of you uh, who would commit. And I want to challenge you to pick one of these up to take it with you and to journey with us over the next year. Pray about it and bring it back in. Some of you may want to meet with me. Man, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to meet with you. I've met with dozens and dozens and dozens of you. We've got a new brochure that has all the updated information. If you've already made a commitment, you don't have to fill out a new commitment card. But if you are, are not tithing and you're not giving to the Lord, I want to challenge you to, to just ask yourself the question, how's your current financial situation? I know that for me and my family, there was a period of time where I wasn't being completely obedient to God's command to give 10%. And as soon as we did that, we've been able to trust God every single day. And sometimes it's daily, but he always comes through. I want to also ask you to consider picking up one of these stones as you leave today. It's on the table. And I want you to place these in a, in a place where you can remember to pray for all in to pray for us as we cross the Jordan, because the rest of the story in chapter 4 is really amazing. Check this out. Verses 1 through 3. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. Now, I know for a fact that the stones were a little bit bigger than this, okay? But it's a representation from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And we read in verses 19 through 24 that the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal, and the 12 stones, verse 20, which they took out of the Jordan, they were set up there. And for years, for generations, they've been telling of the goodness of he who is mighty. Verse 23 says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan, for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. I believe that God's got a great work for us, and it may require us to take some actions of obedience that are uncomfortable, that might be a little risky, that might be a little bit unusual. Someone asked me recently, boy, just some of this sounds a bit risky. 
And I said, our leadership team has come together. And we've prayed about this over and over and over. And there have been endless, endless times in my own time with the Lord that I've heard him say, if you don't lead this effort in your church, Todd, you are being disobedient. And I'll tell you that there's risk involved in following God, but the risk in not is 10 times greater, isn't it? So I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking for those of you who haven't committed to commit. I'm asking you to seek God and find out what he's doing in your life. Check to see if you're following him closely. Check to see if you've committed your ways to him. Check to see if you believe his promises and then watch what God will do. This morning, I'm going to ask our leadership team, our elders and our stewardship team and our staff. Some of, the, some of our staff are working, but if you guys are available this morning, I'm going to ask you to come up here. And I want us as a church to, to just pray a prayer of dedication. I'm going to pray. Brandon's going to come in. He's going to underscore this morning. And I, I want to in, invite you this morning to stand and, and pray with us. And let's pray believing that God will provide financially, that he'll do amazing things in and through his church here in this community, that he'll do amazing things in and through you. And maybe this morning you need to pray in your own life that you would see and believe that God is for you, that he who is mighty is able. So would you stand with me this morning as we pray and we dedicate the next year of all in and getting across to building B and that new property fully. Let's dedicate this to him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for your church. God, it is your church. God, I thank you for these, your people. God, I know that there are those who are here today and they're they may not be a part of this church. They uh, might have come. They may be here on vacation. They might be here with a family or friend. God, there may be some who are here today who haven't chosen to follow you yet. I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would put things and people in their life who would point them to you, God. But God, I pray for those of us who are part of Hilton Head Allen Community Church. God, I, I thank you for these leaders who stand behind me. And I thank you for this congregation that stands before me. And Father God, we are on the banks of the Jordan River. And God, the land is right there. It's right in front of us. And God, so many people have been a part. So many people have committed. So many people have been faithful to you and obedient to you. Many when it's been incredibly uncomfortable. And God, I'm so thankful for that. But God, I pray that you would go before us. God, we recognize that you are mighty. You are mighty to save. You are mighty to deliver. And God, in our lives, whether individually or corporately, you are the one that can overcome our fear. And God, I pray that you would do that in the people who are in this room this morning. God, I pray for the uncertainty that they may have, for the unknown, for those things that surprise us that we're afraid of, for the giants, for the enemies for the river that stands in front of us as a church. God, I pray that we would give up our fear to you. God, you who are mighty. And I pray that we would trust you as we move out into the unknown. Father, I pray specifically that you would give us this first 800,000 that we need to be able to honor you and to do the right thing by paying off what we already have. 
God, I pray that you would raise up people who would serve this community in an amazing way. God, I thank you for the opportunities that you've given us as a church in the past. But God, our greatest days, our best days, I believe, are yet to come. And Father God, I pray that we would follow you, that you would go out before us right now, and that we would follow you closely. God, give us the ability, give us the courage, give us the stamina. God, may we persevere. God, I thank you so much for what you did by saving us through your son, Jesus. And now, as we go out and we are able to tour Building B, God, I pray that you would give us big vision on what you're going to do because of that lighthouse that's right there on Highway 278 in this community. God, may you use that as a beacon of light to this community and to the world. And I pray this all in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name above Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.